Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Good day to you, friends. We are continuing our series on mental health topics. So thankful to speak to you about the needs that we and our loved ones and the people that we serve and minister to have and how we can best be Christ's ambassadors to others. Um, Love that teaching that we get to be the body of Christ as we love each other, and that certainly includes people with mental health, uh, emotional health challenges. And so we're uh, diving in deep today. We're going to be talking about caring for anxiety and panic. And this will be a very practical, uh, encouraging talk for you. You know, anxiety uh, disorders are uh, 31% of Americans at some point in their life will experience an anxiety disorder. That's a lot of people with clinical anxiety. It's a huge topic. Uh, And really all of us experience emotions of anxiety, stress overload, uh, different manifestations of anxiety at different points. So, That's what we'll be talking about today, and we are excited to let you know that as of today, you can now pre-order our Enneagram and Emotions video course that we've put together, and this uh, just fits right in with our topic uh, today and this month, Christy, on mental health, because uh, in our new book, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith, it'll be coming out a little later, and this video course is unpacking that book. We go into help for anger and shame and depression, anxiety, uh, and underlying sadness. So these are all the uh, core emotions and places of distress that come into play in all of our lives, but especially in mental health topics. It was so fun to record that course. I'm so excited for our listeners to get to participate in that and just get a deeper understanding and immersion that we can give them in a 20-minute podcast. So, yeah, we'll tell yeah. you more about that later, but just for now, uh, you just go to soulshepherding.org slash Enneagram, and you can uh, pre-order the book there. You can get the uh, Enneagram and Emotions uh, course at a discount, $40 off if you pre-order the book, and you can do that today. One of the things, Bill, that, I so appreciate about you is you're a wounded healer in this area of anxiety. This is something that you have experienced. You have suffered and you have learned so much about in your life, both experientially as well as just an incredible knowledge base. And most importantly, you have experienced great freedom in your life from anxiety and you are an amazing wounded healer in this area. And I've been so blessed to get to witness your journey, participate in your journey and just see the difference of the freedom that you have experienced and feel that excitement for others knowing that it's it's really possible. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think sometimes we think that maybe we can fall into a, a subtleness if we're really suffering from major issues with anxiety or an anxiety disorder we know how miserable it is and how difficult it is and how consuming and what kind of problems it can cause in our life and our relationship but if we haven't experienced a, a full-blown anxiety disorder sometimes we will tolerate living with some anxiety in an unhealthy level because we maybe fall to the lie of thinking that well i need it I, I need to worry. I need anxiety in order to motivate me. I, I need it to energize 
me to find motivation and energy to, to get things done or to fuel me, you know, being proactive with some things. And sometimes we can think that maybe anxiety is a, is a good thing. It's not really a problem until it gets on top of us and it turns in to a disorder. Well, because it, uh, anxiety feels like adrenaline in some cases. It's, it mm-hmm. stirs us up. In some ways, it's opposite of depression. And yet, ironically, sometimes depression and anxiety go together. But yeah, by uh, being stressed, uh, we're activated. We, we have a sense of alarm and urgency. And uh, there's, there's a, a, a certain uh, dynamic with that that, that gets us going and, and moving and yeah, we, we, we kind of try to secure ourselves and make our lives turn out the way we want uh, in a stressed state. Yeah, I used to talk about anxiety this way because I hadn't experienced an anxiety disorder. I hadn't experienced anxiety in a miserable way. And so I remember you pointing out to me how curious it was to you when I would say, I would use the word anxious in a positive way. It's like, oh, I'm anxious to see you. <laughs> or mm-hmm. I'm anxious to, to do this with you. And I would use it like in a positive way, like I was excited. Because anxiety can feel on some level like excitement. But then, boy, after I experienced levels of an anxiety in my body that for the first time where I was shocked and I actually vomited because I was mm-hmm. so nervous about a meeting that we were going into with our boss. This is when we were first married right out of college and I was like, Oh, this is what anxiety disorder feels like. This is what, this is what, this is what I've been reading about in my classes. This is what my clients that I'm meeting with are talking about. And it was a whole nother level of understanding to have the experience of that in my body. Yeah. Anxiety and fear are gripping and it's like the walls are closing in on you. And when you start getting under anxiety, then there can be depressant effects with it as well. And uh, at that point, you, you know that it's not a good thing. Uh, I was in therapy myself for a number of years getting help with anxiety and had an anxiety disorder, had a lot of uh, fear. At times I had feelings of panic, uh, but mostly it was just the generalized anxiety that was just always with me. And, you know, I've talked with some people uh, in the years where I was providing therapy and uh, they had been anxious their whole lives at a moderate to um, even more significant level. And when you're anxious all the time, you don't really know what it's like to be at peace. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what it's like to be emotionally present and engaged and have a, a contentment and uh, a focus, a, a joy, a, a flow to your life that, that's life-giving and mm-hmm. relationally engaging. Because anxiety takes us out of the moment uh, of of beauty, of relationship, of connecting with God. And we, we get more focused on problem solving, uh, a lot of reacting mm-hmm. to what, what's coming mm-hmm. up. Uh, and we're just actually trying to cope with the stress overload that we're experiencing and, and the fears that we're having. And, and it's very tempting as, as we have trouble with anxiety and fear to begin avoiding the things that make us anxious or make us scared. And at so first- our world shrinks. Yeah, so then, then I, I, I'm not able to do as many things because I, I want to avoid those things. But then that weakens us, actually. And so that's, that's a problem because when we're afraid of something and we avoid it, then the fear gets bigger. Well, and it also can really get in the way of our being able to experience God's presence. 
when we are feeling anxious, we often are are spinning with a busyness and agitation and activity. We're trying to maintain control and all of those things and very much inhibit us being present to God and also to each other. Yeah, and so in many cases, anxiety is really a, a disease of control. We're, we're trying to, to control things. And this brings up the point that sometimes we think that people who are struggling with anxiety are weak and anxiety at significant levels does weaken us. It, it does inhibit our, our performance in, in our work and it does inhibit us from having healthier, more loving relationships. But it's more commonly people who are strong, who are struggling with worry and anxiety, who, who are taking on a lot, who are, are high, highly functioning. That's really important to say because the enemy comes and tries to accuse us and make us feel weak and feel shame if we're struggling with anxiety. So let's just say that again, that oftentimes it's people that are strong that suffer from anxiety. People are busy, people who work hard, people who are really helpful of others, who take on a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's from taking on too much, that's part of the the cause of anxiety. And often goes with that is this high sense of responsibility is we're, we're really trying to make things turn out a certain way and we're putting without realizing it, we put on our backs the the outcomes of situations and and what people think and we can't control those things that's in the realm of the sovereign lord or and uh, the realm of free choice for other people so that creates a lot of anxiety when we put that expectation on ourselves to push through situations towards an outcome that we're determined needs to take place well, it might help if we define some key things about anxiety and even like what's the difference between anxiety and fear, for example? Fear is specific. When we are afraid of something, it's like uh, many people are afraid of public speaking. Something like uh, 75% of people are afraid of public speaking. Um, anxiety is, is generalized. It, it, anxiety is a secondary emotion. We feel anxious when we're repressing other emotions like fear. And uh, so there's lots of different phobias or fears that that people might have. We just simply just uh, commonly fear rejection. So that that's not the same as anxiety. It, it becomes anxiety when it's a swirl in our mind that's uh, distracting us and w- where there are um, is a vague sort of apprehensiveness. Well, and then I think it'd be helpful to talk also about the role of stress versus anxiety. That's one of the things that you write about in the Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke book, because we all experience stress in life, and that isn't always bad. Yeah, stress is events, circumstances, uh, changes. Uh, it's external to us, and stress is part of life. And uh, many of the stressors that we experience are good. It's uh, challenges and ministry, it's uh, holiday celebrations, uh, it's uh, moving to a new home that we're excited about, a lot of things that are stressful in our life. It becomes anxiety when we internalize it. And when it's just too much, too much stress in our life. Too much stress uh, is one source of anxiety when we're just overloaded with stress, but especially when we internalize stress, whether it's too much or might not be that we just any stress that gets internalized over time, it can become anxiety. Now it's tricky about that because sometimes it takes a long time before the symptoms of anxiety manifest because it gets in our body. 
all, all of the mental health conditions. We've been talking about depression recently, uh, but it, th- these get into our bodies or they're physical. Yeah, we can get habits actually that, that take over and then control us bodily habits. Yeah. Well, like in our, in our culture with our smartphones and social media, we're just habitually distracted and diverted to checking things on our phone. And uh, not that it's always a bad thing. There's a lot of good things that we check on our phone that are relational or uh, even uh, prayerful. I mean, we can access so many things on our phones, but the habit of constantly looking and being curious and checking something out and following the news and scrolling and all of that, it does perpetuate uh, there's a type of stress in that and it does perpetuate anxiety. Well, another anxiety disorder, we've talked about phobias a little bit. We've talked about generalized anxiety, but another disorder is obsessive compulsive. That's an anxiety disorder. That's where we have intrusive thoughts about things like cleanliness and uh, orderliness and uh, expectations or things that I'm afraid of or rituals that I go through in order to feel uh, secure and safe. And it's a manifestation of anxiety. And then there's panic disorder. How is panic disorder different than generalized anxiety that we've been talking about? Panic disorder is where we have so much repressed anxiety and fear that it's like a volcano that erupts. And so then I have this uh, acute episode of an anxiety attack, uh, a fear attack, and I, I, my heart is racing, my palms become sweaty, I feel like I'm trapped in an elevator, um, my mind is, is, head is spinning, and it, my heart feels like it's in a vice and it's being gripped, and uh, it's, I'm breathing shallow, and it's hard, hard to get my breath, and so a panic attack's a very scary experience, and it, it comes out of nowhere, and I've talked with many people over the years with panic attacks. And as we said, they're usually people that are strong and high functioning. And you, you look at them and they're, they're competent, they're responsible, they're attractive, they're, they're impressive, they're doing something with their life. Uh, but they've been internalizing stress over a long period of time. And it's sort of the straw that breaks the camel's back phenomenon where, where all of a sudden they have this panic attack because some something put them over the edge and, and they usually will say, I don't know why, I, what's the matter with me? I don't know what happened to me. There's a lot of self-judging and, and condemning because I'm trying so hard to be strong and to look good and everything. And then when you do have a panic attack, of course that inhibits your ability to perform at your work or to be uh, present relationally to people. And so it can be embarrassing, which then that becomes part of the problem and it relates to a condition called anticipatory anxiety, where I'm anticipating what could go wrong, what, what would be um, stressful, hurtful, how I might fail, what, what might be embarrassing to me. And so that anticipatory anxiety can, can build on itself. Well, and many people visit emergency rooms with panic attacks. They, they actually literally feel like they're going to die, like something is wrong with their body, and they feel out of control in their body. Yeah, you feel like you're having a heart, a heart attack, that kind of a thing. And a lot of times the uh, emergency room personnel and um, other doctors don't, aren't always trained in panic disorder and anxiety, and so they don't always know the difference. Uh, but with testing, they, they can figure it out. But sometimes we go through some very uh, expensive tests around our heart, and it's just really it was just a, a panic attack. I say just a panic attack because that's, a lot less serious than a heart attack, but it, 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 
as we're saying, it, it feels horrible. So we really want to understand these things and have compassion for people that suffer with anxiety because it is a suffering. It's, it can be very debilitating. I remember one time many years ago, I was speaking in front of a large group of people and I was filling in for uh, a psychologist uh, mentor of mine uh, who was, they had asked to talk and he wasn't able to. And I, I was out over my skis I, I was in a situation that I wasn't really prepared for. And so I was, I was very anxious and, and panicky. And I just looked out at all those faces out there. And uh, then I became self-conscious that I was uh, fearful that I wouldn't do a good job and self-conscious that I was anxious and having trouble finding my words. And so the anxiety just sort of building on itself. And then I saw that my performance as a speaker wasn't as good as it needed to be and as I wanted it to be. And so then that just escalated the anxiety further. And so it was difficult to get through that talk and it was not, it was not a great talk. And so that that's illustrates the experience of anxiety and panic. And, um, you know, it, it's something that uh, nobody wants to go through. And so what you have to realize and what I came to learn is that it wasn't just that moment because what we tend to think when we experience something like a, an anxiety attack, uh, we tend to feel like, well, if I just would have prepared more for that talk or if I just would get up my skills better as a speaker, then that wouldn't happen. And that's really treating the symptom and it's not looking at the, the pattern of how the problem with anxiety developed. Or even if I just avoid that, I'm never ever going to do that again. I'm never going to put myself in that position where I could feel that anxious. Which is part of what I felt at that time. Like I just wouldn't, I just didn't want to speak. It wasn't worth it. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it wasn't, it was miserable for me. I'm not good at that. I'm, I'm a writer. I'm, I'm a teacher. Uh, I'm a counselor. I'm, I'm, I'm not a public speaker. I don't have that gift. And But what's really important here is that we realize that just avoiding the stressors isn't the answer because that's what we think it is. We think that's kind of the easy, easy solution. But really accepting and letting that trigger be an opportunity for us to respond to the invitation of the Lord that actually there's a lot of help available for anxiety. We don't have to let it limit and shrink our lives. Well, and that's what I want to do. I want to just not speak because the anxiety was so uh, miserable. I just didn't want to be a public speaker anymore, especially in front of large audiences. And as I prayed about it and as I talked with my psychologist about it, because this is when I was in therapy, I, I just came to sense that, no, the Lord wanted to help me with this. And, and part of that help was looking deeper. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was getting at is that to just avoid the thing that makes me scared or anxious doesn't deal with the causes and it, it, it will weaken me as a person, weaken my personality, mm-hmm. weaken my character, weaken my abilities. And so uh, I needed to grapple with the fact that, well, the reason why I had this uh, panic attack when I was speaking uh, is, is not just because I wasn't prepared enough in my speaking abilities. That's just part of it much deeper in historical pattern was I've been repressing emotions for a long time in, in our new book, healthy feelings, thriving faith, which you, you can pre-order on Amazon today. Uh, we talk about anxiety is repressed emotion mm-hmm. and that's a, a great, just sort of working definition of anxiety. It's repressed emotion. And so I've just seen it countless times with, with people when I was working as a therapist where uh, they, 
just thought, well, if I just, if I just don't speak anymore, if I just avoid relationships like this where I end up getting rejected, if I just, you know, limit my stress at my job, uh, it's like these half truths, mm-hmm. uh, and we can't really control these things anyway. And we don't realize that actually trying to control these things is part of what's creating the anxiety. And that the deeper longstanding problem is the repressing of emotion. Right. And it's, it's the fact that I'm trying to be strong and not need anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to not be emotional. And I, I don't know how to, or I'm not comfortable asking for, being vulnerable to ask for empathy. And so when I learned the power of receiving empathy, that's when my anxiety started to dissipate. But the trick is it doesn't happen right away because at first we feel in, in therapy, uh, in spiritual direction, uh, in any relationship where we're, we're learning and we're growing and we're actually dealing with, with pain or, or stress or sin, we, we, we will tend to feel worse before we feel better because our awareness goes up. And it, we've been relying on all these defense mechanisms like repressing our emotion. And so when, when we stop relying on that and, and we go this different path of, okay, instead of just repressing all the, the fear and the shame and the anger, the stuff that's building up this storage of anxiety inside my body, I'm going to start talking it through. Well, then we're going to feel it more deeply. Plus, we're going to have the, the, uh, the new fears of, uh, is this shameful or embarrassing? Am I going to be rejected? What, what's this person going to think of me? And even if consciously we work out in our minds, no, this is a good thing. This is why I'm here. I need this help. Yet unconsciously, we have all these patterns in our personality going back to childhood around not being emotionally vulnerable and then not being okay to ask for empathy and not, not trusting that. Well, and in Healthy Feelings Thriving Faith, we talk about how there are certain personalities that are especially predisposed to experiencing anxiety over over others and all the more how there are unique and special ways that they can get help with those feelings and then thrive with their faith because our our relationship with God is a big part of the care and the cure and also a big fruit of working through this and and getting the help and, and once we recognize we need the help. So as we talk about empathy, which we do a lot in in this subject, because it's a, a key part of it. Let's talk about some things, especially in the church, where we can be empathetic and helpful and participate with Jesus's love and empathy for people that are struggling with anxiety. So there's some things that we've identified that we, we want to really be careful not not to say. To yeah, people. so if you're a, a pastor, a preacher, a Bible teacher, uh, leading a small group, uh, just talking with a friend, uh, but certainly if you're a spiritual director, a coach, helping other people, uh, it's really important that you understand accurately what the Bible teaches about anxiety and fear and emotions. And uh, because commonly what people say to each other and what, what Christians and sometimes Christian leaders will say is things like, well, it's a sin to worry or be anxious or, or you shouldn't feel anxious or taking... A, anxiety medications that that's that shows a lack of faith or uh, if you would just read your bible and pray then you won't feel anxious Uh, these are not uh true statements there might be a half truth in them but they they are not uh loving helpful wise counsel the bible is not on the side of negating uh, invalidating rejecting emotions or shaming someone because they're having negative emotions 
And the Bible is not on the side of simplistic answers. Like if you would just pray, you're, you're going to be better. Or if you just read your Bible. No, the Bible talks about love one another. That's like a new, that's the new commandment Jesus gave us. And so a focused conversation with a therapist or a spiritual director, that's an example of an opportunity to be in a loving relationship where we can receive God's support. Well, let's talk about this because sometimes we need to we need to know where where do we go if we need more help with anxiety? Certainly our Enneagram course, Enneagram Emotions course, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith will give people a lot of helpful information, insight, understanding on anxiety, both their own and for their loved ones. But there there are times when people need to be referred for care as well. Just the information isn't enough. It, it gets them started. It gets them ready. It, 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 it will be a part of the care and the care for them. But, but they need an ambassador of Christ. They need, they need a spiritual director or a coach. But sometimes they need something else too. So let's talk about when, when you would know what, what kind of support you need. Yeah, so there's therapists, there's psychiatrists, there's primary care doctors, spiritual directors, coaches, and there's an overlap as it relates to mental health needs and particular anxiety and panic disorders we're talking about in this podcast. So psychotherapists help clients understand their inner world to reveal the the source of their anxiety, uh, the, the causes of that, and then bring healing help for those issues uh, and improve their functioning in the relationships and at work. That's what therapists do, whether it's psychologists, marriage and family therapists. Uh, we're, we're helping people uh, through understanding their history uh, improve their, their functioning in their relationships and in their work. Psychiatrists bring in a psychiatric evaluation, the opportunity to, to offer uh, medicines that help with anxiety. And psychiatrists are the most highly trained because they're medical doctors and have uh, that uh, deep understanding of the brain and the body and the different medicines that can be. And sometimes there are some biological components, predispositions to anxiety. Sometimes there's some habits that some medication can help us, give us some support that we need to do the work. Some people need that, not everybody. Yeah, medications like vitamins are a, a gift from, from God to us. Now, we need to have the right, just we need to have the right medicine uh, and not over medicate or have too many medicines that compete. And so sometimes we have that problem, but with anxiety that's debilitating, there are medicines that can be helpful to calm that down. And the best way to do that is to do that in conjunction with therapy or another form of receiving help so that while we're getting the biological support with the anti-anxiety medicine, we're developing new skills new abilities to, to stop repressing emotion, to learn healthier boundaries, healthier relationship skills. To, to learn to practice some of the helpful spiritual disciplines like breath prayers that have been so helpful for so many people, for, for us with anxiety. Yeah, we have a coming podcast. We're going to talk about spiritual disciplines for uh, mental health. And so then while I'm getting that help from the medicine, as I develop these new skills and as I experience some healing from some of the the past causes that, that relate to my uh, anxiety, then maybe I can taper off of that medicine and because I've developed some new strengths. Um, psychiatrists or doctors, a primary care doctor can also be important in terms of ruling out 
different physical conditions, uh, diseases that might be uh, creating uh, physical symptoms because anxiety is in our body. Mm -hmm. And like we said, with a panic attack and a heart attack, they they can feel similar in some ways. And so uh, there are different things that might cause an upset stomach. Anxiety is one of them. Uh, Or even hyperthyroid could cause anxiety symptoms. There's other medical things that contribute to some of this. And then spiritual directors can help. Now, so we train spiritual directors in soul shepherding. Uh, we have a certificate program, a two-year program in training spiritual directors. We also have a training program for coaches. Uh, and we have a staff of senior spiritual directors that are available to help uh, people like you who are listening to us right now uh, or the people that you minister to. And spiritual directors do not treat mental health disorders. Uh, so uh, someone that has a disabling condition of anxiety or panic disorder that is interfering with their ability to, to function in their life, that person needs to see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a therapist. But a spiritual director, especially the way we train spiritual directors in soul shepherding, are aware of mental health mm-hmm. needs and are very empathetic and ask great questions. And they're very prayerful in the way that they listen and the way that they guide people with uh, healthy relational styles. And so that can do a lot to help us with worry uh, and stress overload and setting boundaries and experiences with anxiety. Uh, And and then some people will see a spiritual director and a counselor, Mm -hmm. and that can be helpful as well. And coaches help uh, clients manage external stressors that cause anxiety or diminish performance in their relationships, their work or their leadership. Uh, coaching is a lot about reaching goals. It's, it's more focused, uh, but it can overlap a lot with spiritual direction, especially in the soul shepherding world, because in the, our coach training, uh, you first need to learn the skills of spiritual direction. So we've, we view coaching as a subset of spiritual direction, meaning that our approach to leadership coaching and other forms of life coaching comes out of a spiritual direction understanding, a, a spiritual formation process. And also our coaches are able to help people with things like maybe where they need to set some boundaries, some external things like that to help protect themselves from some of the anxiety triggers in in healthy ways. So before we go, we want to tell you more about the Enneagram and Emotions video course. This is uh, from Christy and I. We're so excited about this. We hired a professional crew to record this, and it's based on our upcoming new book, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith growing emotionally and spiritually through the Enneagram. You will love this course. Uh, It's going to give you understanding about your Enneagram type, uh, your emotions, like anxiety, uh, and uh, learning how to give and receive empathy for each of the personality types. Uh, My favorite part, seeing Jesus in the gospel stories as the healthy model for your type. And it's now available at soulshepherding.org slash Enneagram. And for a limited time, if you pre-order Healthy Feelings Thriving Faith on Amazon, then Soul Shepherding will give you a 30% discount on the course. So it'll be only $89. And in other words, you're going to save $40 which you, uh, on the course that way. Here's what the course includes. Soul Talk style conversations on the Enneagram and Emotions. These are about 25 to 30 minutes each. It's Christy and me talking uh, to you about specific issues in your personality. Uh, as I said, these are professional recordings and you can use them as video or as audio. Uh, We've got five sessions on healthy feelings, thriving faith, uh, particularly meaning uh, help for anger, shame, anxiety, and underlying sadness. And then we have sessions on each of the nine Enneagram and emotions types. Uh, And then a course notebook. 
So you'll grow in your emotional health, your intimacy with Jesus, and you can get the Enneagram and Emotions course at that special discount today. Just go to soulshepherding.org slash Enneagram. Hope that'll be a blessing for you and your friends. Yeah, I will that. And that discount is today if you're listening to this podcast live. <laughs> if you're listening to it years later or recording, then uh, the window has closed for the launch and the discount of the Healthy Failings, Thriving Faith book and course. Lord, we just pray for a listener who is stressed, overloaded, dealing with anxiety, uh, maybe an anxiety disorder or panic attacks. Or for loved ones, Lord, that we think of are in that place. Jesus, we turn to you, our Prince of Peace. We ask you, Lord, to guide us into some healthy relationships. Guide us to a a helper, a, a counselor, or a spiritual director who can offer listening and support and guidance to Help us, Lord, to gain new skills uh, as to how we deal with the stresses of life and to receive that empathy that begins to relieve the, the, the pressure cooker inside our souls. Thank you, Jesus, that you have a wonderful plan for each of us and you guide us step by step. Help us, Lord. Take a hold of your hand, Jesus, and learn to face our fears and face the things that are stressful and doing it with you, Lord, in your easy yoke. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 